Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor, and I'm a mom. We're getting real about all things family from a mental health perspective. So let's get to it. Uh, You might be a parent, but you might be a support person in the life of a child um, who you can see struggles with managing things like sights, sounds, textures, um, that get thrown at them from the world around. And you might be asking yourself a couple of questions. One, what is happening for them? And two, how can I help? Because it looks distressing. And I think about this package of sensory experiences for some kids as maybe a part of something else. So maybe there's a diagnosis that they have, and this is one component of how they experience the world because of how their neurobiology is shaped and their brain has been shaped to cope. But it might be kind of more of a standalone thing. And it can just feel like it's that area of life is too hard or overwhelming or misaligned for them to cope with. And either way, I don't know who is a better person to have a conversation with about this than Kim Barthel. Because Kim is not only an award-winning occupational therapist, a multidisciplinary teacher and best-selling author, she is active in the lives of supporting people in so many contexts internationally that she has a wealth of intuitive knowledge that she brings to the table. And she's passionate. So she's passionate about understanding complex behavior, movement challenges, neurobiology, trauma-sensitive practice, how to approach our kids when they're sensitive because of trauma attachment issues, mental health. She's got the package deal. And Kim's mission is to support the conscious evolution of the human spirit. And I love that statement more than I can express. I will leave it there for you to love as much as I do. Um, I personally have listened to Kim speak at multiple conferences, and I have come to know her as a child whisperer. So you know that that phrase of the oh, this person's an animal whisperer or horse whisperer. Kim is a child whisperer. And first and foremost, when I interview people for the podcast, I always like to find people with lived experience. And right next in line are people who live in the world of people who have lived experience because they crawl into their lens and they seek to connect. So that is why I hunted Kim down and she graciously said yes. And so Kim, thank you for being here. Whew, what an incredible introduction. Oh, did I nail it? Like, cause that's what I really oh. feel and think. So I just wanted that to get across. Wow. I, I, I'm humbled hmm. and you're right. I am passionate, yeah. very passionate about this topic hmm. and equally as excited to speak with you about your passion Mm. for parents, for supporting individuals in their individuals' states of suffering and challenge. Yeah. So thank you for having me with you today. I think we have a few things in common. So I'm excited to have the conversation, uh, not just because we're like-minded, but there's some, something overlapping about, you know, as a registered clinical counselor and you as a registered OT, we cross paths sometimes in overlapping worlds, but we have very unique and diverse lenses on our lived experience of connecting with people who live in this space, right? So what you add to this is going to be 
Amazing. Uh, it's always a struggle for me to try and say in 30 to 50 minutes, whatever, how are we going to capture all the things that I wish I could capture with you? So when I craft questions, it's hard to be broad enough, but narrow enough. So you can take this where you want to go and deliver what you want to deliver. I, I full on trust you to take the, the driver's wheel on that, but maybe as an opener, would you mind mapping out what it means when a child struggles with sensory perception or processing? And are there different types? And can it kind of look like something else? Mm, what a brilliant, brilliant question. And I think I'm going to start with a story. Yes, please. It's hard to admit, but I started in this profession 37 years ago. And the idea that the fluffies in your socks, the elastic in your underwear, yep. or the sound of people chewing could be a variable that created a challenging behavioral outcome was alien to the world. Yeah. And there was a lot of resistance in that era that this actually existed as a phenomenon that we as humans could process information differently. <laughs> and one of the very first people that influenced me in this regard was Temple Grandin. So I was a 19-year-old OT student when I met her at a place called the Ayers Clinic, which for occupational therapists is a little bit like the Taj Mahal, because cool. Dr. Jean Ayers is the developer of sensory integrative therapy. Hmm. And Temple Grandin was at the Ayers Clinic at the time of developing her hug machine. And for those of you who don't know who Temple Grandin is, she is a hmm, instrumental game changer, thought leader, and a woman with autism. Yeah. And in the 80s, people said, this woman who loves cows, who is creating this hug machine, can't really be on the spectrum because she can talk and, and she can like share. Yeah. yeah, she can share her perception. And our understanding of autism in the late 70s, early 80s was canner's autism, which was predominantly individuals who are nonverbal. But I remember Temple Grandin saying to me, Kim, stop moving your lips. I'm trying to listen to you. Hmm. Oh, yes. And being, you know, 19, 19, I was like, I don't know if I know how to do that. And then she said to me one time, you know, that that sweater that you have on looks like a carpet. And she said, I can feel it when I look at it. Ooh. Interesting. And so she was the person who put language for me yeah. from the inside out around what it was like to live inside of oneself where the world is different. Mm -hmm. And that became the beginning of the experience for me of starting to understand how the clients, the patients that I was going to support for the next 37 years might experience the world. 
And so sensory processing is something that is innately human. It is not, you know, something that does it happen or doesn't it happen. If you are human, you are processing sensations. Hmm. But what's critical about the human experience, I'm not sure about other mammals, but the human experience is we integrate sensations. That things that we see, feel, hear, touch, move through, smell, taste, it is put together, woven together with all the other sensations that we experience. And where that becomes challenging is when that integration process doesn't happen. Where one sensation either slides forward and becomes over-dominant mm. in its detection okay. or slides way back and is not perceivable. Okay. And this is where uh, it be it creates a world of fragmentation and a sense of disconnection both from myself and from the environment. Now, that was a bit of a complex, you know, description. Yeah. yeah. It sounds almost like dissociation, but in a different yes. way, right? Yeah. Beautifully yeah. said. And in fact, sometimes it is like that. Yeah. It's not working together. Correct. Okay. Fantastic. And imagine yeah. what that would be like, hey, right. to be disembodied yeah. or overwhelmed or disconnected and not right. being able to feel safe Yes. in your own experience yeah. every day. Yeah. A disconnection from self. Yeah. Yeah. For kids who, I, I, I don't know if this is an artificial continuum, but I, I often think about the kids who, so, I mean, you named it a little bit. You said there are kids who have this experience where they're what, what other people might call oversensitive. Like it's the, the, the end of the spectrum where they're feeling things in a big, big, big way. And then there's kids who are uh, having the experience of having pulled back almost where they're not noticing. It's not being detected right? If there are kids who are hypersensitive hmm. to stimuli of any kind, what is the world like for them? So what, if you were to crawl into that lived experience and that hmm. brain and its processing, what's happening in there? Uh, you, you named the disconnect, but is there anything else you can describe about hmm. the way they experience just the day-to-day? -day? What that feels like? Well, first of all, you know, one of the interesting problems with that term hypersensitivity yeah. is that it, it, it implies a constant state. Right. And one of the interesting things about the human nervous system, but also about kids who have neurodiversity, is we talk about sensations as loads. Okay. So if you think about a, a weigh scale... Uh, I might wake up in the morning and take in a, a, a sound and be able to manage. And then by 10 o'clock in the morning, 
that side of the weigh scale is starting to get heavy mm. and the other side is not balanced enough with putting the sound into the perspective of my holistic experience. Yep. And I start to move into fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. So that those sensations, which often accumulate, mm -hmm. become increasingly sensitive okay. across time. And this is often what is confusing for parents. Yeah. You you were okay here. Yeah, what set them off? Yeah. yeah and yeah. why are you not okay uh -huh. now? Mm -hmm. Or you stayed together all day at school and now you come home at the end yeah. of the day and Melt. we have this explosion. Yeah. Right? So the 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 term hypersensitivity is is often uh, even too simplistic. Okay. To uh, say that this is either on or off. Okay. But when I come to that place in my experience where I've met my threshold of too much, mm -hmm. what happens is, is fear. Yeah. Primal. And you right? see yeah. anxiety, yeah. heart rate changes. Mm. Our kids start to sweat. Yeah. They experience panic. They shut down. They move into aggression. Mm -hmm. They move into spaces of, I can't find my words to communicate to you what is happening yeah. because my lower brain is dominating my cognition in this moment. Right? Yeah. So you see a fear response mm -hmm. where I can no longer manage uh, my relationships, my learning, my daily functioning in relationship to this phenomenon that has stacked up yeah. in inside of my brain and inside of my being. Great description. That accumulation into uh, that that's like a rocket launcher into lack of safety, right? Yes. Then pushes the red ah, alarm button, right? Lower brain takes over, upper brain shuts down, preserve energy. What I always think about is that this, the nervous system, like that, that discrepancy that you said, it's, it's confusing for parents because you say, well, you were just fine five minutes ago. How come, what's the straw yeah. that, you know, broke that camel's back, right? Yeah. I also think there's, there's a, there's a discrepancy in how we, yeah, how how we interpret or know what the nervous system knows. So yeah. the nervous system doesn't discriminate between one thing being safe and another at that point. At that point, it's just working over time, right? And so I think that some of the confusion is, I'm safe. Why are you reacting to me when I'm not the, the unsafe party here. I get that the party that we just came from was really overwhelming. I can, I can wrap my head around that. But now we're in a quiet car. Why are you freaking out now? I'm safe. We're safe. You're safe, right? And that, that I often say the nervous system doesn't have all the information. It's just in mm. go mode. It's not detecting if it's safe yet, right? That takes a process to de-escalate. Yeah. And often the place where I call it the dump, oh. where I move from 
that high level of disconnect into the sympathetic high arousal state of fight or flight or dumping into chaos Mm. is going to happen most often, I find, with my safe co-regulators. Yeah. And this is why parents often feel so intensely overwhelmed yeah. is because they They're are the safe, the safe place. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a hard thing to hear when you're an overwhelmed parent, that it's a compliment that your kid yes. falls apart with you, right? This is yes. not what we wish for, but it's a compliment. Yes. Yeah. And it is so hard not to join your child yeah. into the realm of dysregulation. Yeah, it sure is. Right? It's so hard yeah. to watch them. It's, you're in a mall. Yeah, my goodness. All eyes on you. All yeah. eyes are on you. And yeah. your your child has just met their limit. Yeah. Their stack deck has just happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a meltdown in the middle of the cereal aisle. Yeah. And holding on to yourself as the parent in that place is such a challenge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yet in those moments when there is so much fragmentation, that's when the need for co-regulation is the most significant. Mm. Yeah. On the flip side, the hunger for stimulation, Mm. so the stimulation seekers, Mm. right? The, I want it higher, I want it louder, I want it more thrilling. What's happening for them? It depends. Okay. The term seeking is confusing uh, because it doesn't reflect always what's happening on the inside. Okay. Seeking is a description for a behavior, not a nervous system description, right? So sometimes I accentuate some sensations to avoid others. Okay. So sometimes I intensify, let's say I bang my head Mm -hmm. or I, you know, clench my hands or I flap Mm -hmm. or I rock my body or I bite my hand or I do those things. And we say, ah, you know, that kiddo is seeking a certain stimulation. Mm -hmm. That's not a good enough detective work. Because that might be I am overriding Mm -hmm. something else that I'm sensitive to. So that would be soothing. Yes. In order to avoid something more distressing. Correct. Beautiful. Okay. So it's an internal self-regulatory strategy. Right. That the child is using in response to a sensitive stimulus. So that's not really seeking. It's coping. Yeah. Right. And then there are other situations where that particular sensation, especially when it comes to the body, Hmm. terms that we use in our field, like proprioception. Yeah. Or which is, where am I? Yeah. In space. Like what, where's my hand? Where are my feet? If you can imagine not knowing that. Mm-hmm. Or am I moving or am I still? Uh-huh. If I am 
not putting that information into the big picture of my experience, I'm going to feel like a floaty fluff ball moving through the world that's all visual and all sound with no body. No grounding. Nothing to help anchor it. Okay. So I may need to bang into the walls. I may need to uh, move my body. I may need to keep rocking in order to stay present. Yeah. And so again, even though it looks like I'm looking for something, mm-hmm. our bigger question is, why are you looking for it? Yeah, yeah. What, what, is, it, what is it bringing into your spokes on the wheel of who you are? So that you are able to be safe in yourself. Okay, I'm picturing tantrums, what what parents would call tantrums, right? And uh, we've said no to something, and uh, there's such difficulty instantly processing that information. Mm. And zero to ten in a second, and I am envisioning all the proprioceptive attempts here like all the so kicking floor bumping against stuff or like do you see is that a connection is of to some of what could be happening in what we would see in a meltdown of coping well what's what's interesting about the description that you just gave is if you think about typical development Mm -hmm. that is typical development at a certain stage, yes. I'm thinking about toddlers, toddlers. Yeah. right? <laughs> we it's want typical, that to happen. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's got a function right. in the developmental process. Yeah. And what happens is, is when it lasts longer, yeah. when you're five, six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. 15, yeah. it feels abnormal yeah. as opposed to developmentally stuck. Yeah. And if you think about the multiple complexities of a toddler, they don't have the words. They don't have, they haven't developed the uh, intrinsic identity of autonomy. Mm -hmm. They don't know, is this me? Is this not me? Mm -hmm. Which requires a body. Yeah, it does. Right. Right. So if my sensory systems are not well integrated, I don't know what's me and what's not me. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I'm going to still, mm, at times, feel enmeshed with you. Okay. And e- even though I might cognitively be more mature, yeah. it That's doesn't... Rolling it's out not, at that yeah. moment. Yeah. Right. No access so, to that. This uh, and and you you use the word zero to ten. Yeah, I actually don't believe that ever happens. Hmm. I believe that kids are living. Uh, we always say zero to sixty, and I always say kids are living at fifty nine uh, all the time. Okay, and they're at the edge of their window of tolerance, mm-hmm. and they have. I have so many kids who tell me verbally and non-verbally, they type it or they write it or how they are just surviving Yeah. at that edge. Mm-hmm. And then you add one more drop in there, like yeah. a no. Yeah. 59 to 60. And the yeah. 59 to 60 yeah. went. Yeah. 
So the, the regulation along the way, you know, they may have a smaller bandwidth. Yeah. That might be true. Right. You know, their, their bandwidth might be little mm-hmm. and it might not take much, Yeah. but they were still not in a nice, calm, easy state yeah. in reality. Yeah. They were sucking it up. They were oh, holding it together. Yeah. Okay. How do you tell the difference between that and anxiety? So I, so I've just, I've kind of put myself in the in the shoes of a teacher, and I yes. have a kid in my class who seems like they are afraid of everything. Every transition seems hard. They get, they go into fight or flight all the time because standing in front of a class seems impossible. They don't want to be seen. Every time they have to speak they think there's a spotlight on them and they tremble and they right and and we're in grade four five six now we we think that we could expect this of a kid to handle so we might look at that and say oh this poor kid's got anxiety how how do we tell how do we tell if it's sensory driven or integration troubles well I think the interesting part about that question is when we look at challenges from a diagnostic perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want to put it in a nice a little box. package. Yeah. What we are not appreciating is the brain underneath. Yeah. And what's a shared brain part in all of these examples of mm-hmm. a sensory processing challenge and an anxiety disorder and autism, and ADHD, and how many labels we can have, is a structure called the amygdala. Yeah. And what's interesting about the amygdala and post-traumatic stress disorder and developmental trauma, the amygdala is this almond-shaped structure at the base of your brain that is powerful in overlaying your emotional experience to life. And one third of your amygdala is designated to processing sensations. Cool. One third of the amygdala. One third of the amygdala. Dedicated to processing sensations. Yep. Okay. So it is impossible to separate out from the perspective of the brain. Is this sensory or is this emotion? Yeah. Because they are fused. They are fused. They're in the same house. Yes. And so individuals with anxiety also fluctuate in the way, if that's their primary diagnosis, they fluctuate in the way they process sensations. Hmm. And individuals with a sensory processing challenge, they have anxiety. So it's kind of like... the same alarm bell. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not It's this overlap of processes yeah that exist yeah thank you that's helpful different lens for the for the question I appreciate Mm. that yeah and I wish for every counselor to know that yeah you know yes I'm bringing my OT lens but yeah those of you who work with the heart yeah and the emotional being of the person that you are supporting they live in a body Mm -hmm. with with their sensory systems that is highly affected by anxiety and emotion. Yeah. yeah. I want people to know that too. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll be thinking about that more in my day to day about how I shift my my uh, kind of assessment glasses, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. the way in which I'm looking at a continuum of things of experiences rather than boxes of tied up symptoms. Yeah. 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 When I, when I talk with, with parents, I've, I always hear at the end, but what do I do about it? Yes. (laughs) Of course. And it feels cruel to not talk about that, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's the hunger and the need. So when I, as a parent, when I see, um, an ad for a talk or a conference that I want to attend or a book I want to read my my if I'm honest my ultimate desire is can you clarify something for me and then tell me how I can do better with this right it's not just a nice read or I'm drawn to the topic because I desperately want to help my kids better or I desperately want to understand them better or I am in a place right where I am disconnected and I want to connect and I know that this goes far beyond the topic of sensory today, but more just in your approach and your way with people and what you Mm. see in that desire to bring people to that conscious evolution, like through Mm. the conscious evolution, right? Mm. What's the meeting points, the process Mm. that parents can when the, this ends and they click off, they walk away with. So mm. How can they be with their kids? Mm. You just summarized it right there. I almost how, don't though? have to say how? It's the how. No, we need your hows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about your comment is for the first, I don't know, probably 15, maybe more years of being a therapist. And part of our training as therapists is to do something. Yeah. Right? And we create a a toolbox of skills to bring to our patients, our clients, so that their suffering becomes eased. That is so big in what we bring to the table. But what's interesting for me at this point in my journey of this many years is so many of my clients are now adults. Yeah. So children that I treated 37 years ago when they were babies are now 37 years old. Mm -hmm. And I would tell you that the number one thing that they wish for is acceptance. Yeah. That they Mm -hmm. talk about... I still have these challenges. Mm. I might, they, they morph, they change. Mm-hmm. I have new resources. I have new tools. I have more cognition. I have more neurology. But I still have a fluctuating system. Right. And what I wish for is that people could understand me. Okay. That's what I hear the most. Mm-hmm. And My definition, my personal definition of healing is being in alignment with what is and finding new solutions. Okay. And that's flipping hard work. I was going to say, that's not, (laughs) 
right? Okay. You're going to tell us how to do that? Yeah. <laughs> it is holding both. Can you yeah. say it again? Being in alignment with what is. Yeah. And looking for ways to be my best self. Acceptance and striving? Yes. Okay. And not an either or, but a, mm-hmm. a, a confluence of these. Mm. And oh my gosh, that's a life's work, right? To recognize when I am striving from a place of denial, self-deprecation, yeah. lack of compassion, judgment of myself. I'm talking about me, myself. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of passive hopelessness, okay. which is not what I mean. No. So this term acceptance, parents often interpret that. You know, I've heard so many parents say, I went to see, I'm going to use this example, the developmental pediatrician yeah. who diagnosed my kid with X and they didn't give me a very positive outcome. And there's this feeling of the term acceptance, meaning just be with it. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do. Yeah. And nothing could be further from the truth. Right. Right. So it's this being in a space of what triggers me about my child. The only person I can change is myself. Hmm. Darn it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Darn it. So what is it about this yeah. that is activating for me? Yeah. As a parent in my parenting journey. Yeah. And how do I sit in that space of shifting that? Hmm. And that's the process to acceptance. Okay. Cuz acceptance is not an action. No. It's a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. And I think conversations like this, when you begin to understand your child, that's the path to acceptance. It's like, wow, this is not my kid sitting up at three o'clock in the morning thinking of ways to irritate me. Yeah. Right? This is driven by the way you are wired and how you live in the world. Mm -hmm. And once I can step into those shoes... My empathy grows. And I think so many parents say that's the path that really was the big shift for them rather than the action of how do I fix it. Okay. Beautiful description. I think that just pieced a few things together for me because it's hard to find the bridge between the two things that you Mm. mentioned. And when you give that example, I can put myself in it because then I can see... I both understand my, it's not personal, right? What's coming at me is not personal. So my defensiveness can go. And then at the same time, I have greater capacity to be striving to help. I'm more available to do the things that I know reconstruct, soothe, be with, connect, help them connect. That's the art of how to get the tools to actually work. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the toolkit that everybody would like to have is not just a checklist. Right. 
there's a lot of um, internal states of presence that actually bring the, ma- I'm going to use the word, that bring the magic to that. That are all that inner work of the parenting journey. Yeah. Irrespective of whether your child has diverse needs or not. Right. 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 This has been beautiful. And I'm, I, you hit so many things in such a small amount of time, but I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the conversation and for the, I, I feel like this was a woven mat. Like it, you know, we can take questions and kind of piece them together a little bit, but this felt very integrated. And that I think has been so perfect for today's topic is to be able to weave everything together um, seamlessly. And that has been my experience today. Thank you for doing that. Mm, thank you for being such a masterful weaver of questions Hmm. well hi 10 then and well (laughs) thank you for today thanks for spending time with me today remember to check out the show notes for related resources you can follow me on facebook and instagram or you can also subscribe to my online learning page at my.thrive-life forward slash lrl series where you'll get updates, extra tools for your toolkit. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover in this podcast, please shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in this mud. I will see you back here next time.